Welcome to Whose Shame Is It Anyway? A podcast where we will discuss, dissect and explore what it means when society imposes an undeserved sense of shame on people or events. It is a safe space where we can share experiences, no matter how difficult, without any judgment. My name is Siobhan Lynch, the host of this podcast. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I took a much needed break last week to recharge the batteries and put the feet up and I am feeling much better and I am ready to take on whatever the rest of 2020 has to throw at me. However, I'm hoping that that revolves around eating mince pies, selection boxes and watching terrible Christmas movies. You may or may not know if you don't follow us on social media that we are moving on from the miscarriage conversation but it is a topic that's so close to my heart that I will be revisiting it in 2021. There's still so much more to the conversation that needs to be had. But today on the podcast, I chat with Jeff Warner Clayton. Jeff's a musician based in Dublin and can usually be found behind the keyboards playing for the wonderful Gavin James. While in his mid-20s in 2017, Jeff had a nervous breakdown and he very kindly shares his experience of that with me. We talk about the things that may have attributed to the breakdown, the strategies that he's created for coping and how at times even trying to think about coping can seem like a daunting task. The mental health crisis seems to be at an all-time high at the moment, especially among men, so it was really refreshing to hear Jeff talk so openly about what he had gone through. The last thing I want to say before we get into the podcast is that sometimes I might make it sound like moving on from the effects of a miscarriage or pulling yourself out of a mental health crisis is easy if you just go for a walk or cook some good food or find a good counsellor, but I am very aware that that is just the start of things and what works for one person may not work for the other. What I'm trying to do with the podcast is highlight what has helped my guests in the hope that it'll resonate with someone else. But if it doesn't, that's okay too. And if you have any other suggestions, books or videos, tools that has helped you get through things, I'd love to hear from you. So you can email me at whoshamesitanyway at gmail.com or find us across social media, whoshamesitanyway. Thank you as always for listening and I hope you enjoy the show. Jeff Warner Clayton. Thank you for joining me today. I really wanted just to say your name in full because it's such a great name. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. It really is. Um, we haven't officially met. Well, now we have. But now we've, we have. We've done the weird Facebook friend thing for maybe four years. Yes, yeah, something like that. Um, were you? Did you go to BIM? I didn't. Oh, you didn't? No. Common misconception for some reason. Okay. That my brother did. Aha. And okay. uh, then I just started following to all the social BIM things nice. and just stealing all his friends. That is a great idea. <laughs> Damn, I wish I'd done that. Um, Jeff, I'd always thought that when I did the podcast, I would include some um, episodes about mental health. And when I was thinking about who I would interview, you always stuck in my head because in 2018, you put a Facebook post out on Facebook, obviously, mm -hmm. and it was so articulate and I was going through something at the time and it really resonated with me. So it's something I rem I think of all the time. So you were the first person that I thought of to do this. Wow. Um, so if you don't mind, I'm just going to read a little clip from it. Um, and uh, just to give a bit of context. As a few of you know, back in February of 2017, I had a nervous breakdown. There were various factors involved, but suffice to say I crashed physically, mentally, emotionally and totally unceremoniously. 
I had to immediately stop everything I was doing, put my life on hold and focus what tiny amounts of energy I had left into holding on to existence. It was the blackest pit I've ever found myself in. I had panic attacks if I left the house and lost all connection to most of everything I've ever loved, including the thing I'm building my life around, music. I had no idea how I was going to even begin to move forward again. It was desolation itself. It was so powerful and it really spoke to me and it still speaks to me because I can, a lot of the time I can verbalize what I'm going through. But when I read this, I'm like, oh, there it is. And so if you wouldn't mind just giving us a little kind of background into what was going on. Sure, absolutely. It's uh, it's interesting hearing you read that back to me because, um, yeah, just to hear how I put it at the time. And what comes across to me there is the sense that it kind of came out of nowhere um, and that it hit me all of a sudden and that was that. And that's not quite true. It certainly felt like that at the time um but looking back on it it was a lot more of a a gradual thing it's kind of like oh that that awful metaphor of the the frog in the boiling water that if you put a frog in cold water and it gradually start to heat it up it won't notice the change in temperature um until it gets too hot and you know terrible things start to happen and i think that's what happened to me is that over time the water was being turned up um and as human beings we are really really good at normalizing things yeah so if things get a little bit harder or things get a little bit darker emotionally or whatever over time we get used to that and then it gets a little bit more Every, each time we think okay i can handle this it's it's only okay it's a little more difficult but i can handle that and that just keeps going until suddenly you just find yourself at the end mm-hmm. and you find yourself at a point where oh no i can't actually handle this anymore um michael mcintyre uh, did a great thing about being at the end of your tether and never realizing that you're at the end of your tether until you get to yeah, the end. Yeah. Um, and so it was kind of like that. So, I mean, God, like the kind of inner world of our mental health is such a complex thing, it's so multifaceted, and there's so many factors that go into play. And so the amount of things that contribute to an event like a breakdown are too many to to number um but there was a few things you know i had a model of a career that i had you know constructed myself which wasn't um which wasn't you know very healthy um it was kind of the best that i could do at the time um because i was young but it was just kind of an imbalance um so there was that um so yeah, I suppose I was in the middle of the beginning of a career that I was making for myself. Um, I had no real direction from the outside and I was just making it up as I went along. And I was I was working myself too hard. Yeah. It's, it's a common thing for musicians and a lot of self-employed people. Um, and I was getting more and more worn down over time. And I think what that does is as your energy gradually depletes anything else from your past any more deep-seated problems 
come to the surface. And so everything just starts to compound more and more tightly. Um, everything starts to close in around you until, like I say, you get to a point where you realize this is it. I just cannot, I can't go on like yeah. this. So yeah. yeah, that's kind of, you know, in a broad way, that's what led up to it. Okay. And um, I, I can kind of um, know where you're coming from because I, my granddad died by suicide when I was, when I wasn't born, but I found out when I was around 11 and I was so acutely aware that, that this had happened and my, my family didn't really speak about it. But when I started feeling um, depressed, I was so acutely aware that this had upset the family so much that I never said anything. So I just let my mental health kind of trot off on its own. And as you said, it just kind of built up and up and up and up. So with you, was it just one morning you woke up and you just thought, that's it, I can't, I can't go on? Um, It it certainly was a moment, that's for sure. Um, And what had happened was because mainly due to to my parents and the way that they raised me and the type of conversations we would have had in the house and stuff, mental health, psychology, spirituality, philosophy have all been major topics in our house, you know, uh, since I was very small. And that's left me and my siblings with a really really good sense of self-awareness and awareness of um, our mental state and things like that. And so since I was a teenager, I've been to some degree able to kind of keep track of where I am um, with a degree of clarity. And I could see myself kind of going downhill. But it was always a case of, yeah, this is not great and it's getting worse, but it's okay. And again, it's that kind of normalization. You trick yourself into thinking, no, I've got this, I've got this. and I could kind of judge it day by day as to how I was. And depending on how I was, there were methods that I used to improve things on the day, whatever that might be. Walking was always great for me. Yeah. Getting out into nature. Music obviously was always something that was, you know, kind of spoke to me on a, a very fundamental level. Um, you know, eating good food, just drawing up this list of things that, generally bring you up Um, and depending on the day some days it would just require something like zoning out on your phone and watching funny videos for a few minutes other days it would get so bad that I would just have to I go on a long walk and then I come back and I get a really hot shower and then I go to bed and there'd be nothing more that I could do and one day it was it was bad it was pretty bad and even then I just knew it was different and throughout the day I went through my list of of things and none of them were working um and in the end it was and I, what it felt like was like there was this tightening inside me and I needed to release it somehow um it was like it was just this sense of discomfort. And again, you know, these list of things, some days, some things would unlock it. Other days, other things would. And I would, on that particular day, I was going through this list and nothing was unlocking it. And this tightening was getting worse and worse and worse. And eventually I got into the shower and 
I nearly boiled myself alive. Like it was so hot, but it was just in an attempt to try and release this thing through something very physical. Um, and, you know, to some degree, it was that that pain. It was just feeling something like that that would that would unlock that that feeling of tension. And that day it didn't work. And I got out of the shower and I was in a panic because I was like, I have nothing left. I've gone through my list of things. I have nowhere to turn. And um, I was just there in the bathroom and in my panic, I grabbed a razor okay. and started cutting at my shoulder. Uh, it was something that I hadn't done before that time or even really considered it. But in that moment, out of desperation, that was it. Um, and it was very brief, but after that, everything and that kind of tension, that tightening thing, I think was me just trying to hold it all together Yeah. to hold the weight of so many things that was just becoming too heavy. And all at once it all collapsed. But when I say it all collapsed, it all collapsed, the bad and the good. Okay. And it was like a full stop yeah. to everything. Um, and that was, as in that message, including music, which was the thing for me that I held, you know, most dear outside of the people that I love and what have you. Um, and it was just like everything became white noise. There was no feeling. There was no emotion. I just switched off. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was that was that moment and that was the breakdown for me as it happened yeah and I I used to do something similar I would I would be <clears> so <throat> numb from the pain I was feeling and I didn't know what to do with it and in my um at home in my house the my bathroom was tiled and the tiles were freezing so I used to lie down on the tiles because I was like I just want to feel something else but this pain but unlike you, I didn't know. I didn't have that kind of list of things to go through. I call it now, I call it my toolbox. Um, I didn't have that at the time. So I I just kind of kept going. And I would do things like go in, lie on the bathroom floor, not leave my room for maybe, I think the worst I didn't leave my room for was about six weeks. Um, bar maybe wow. going around the block to have a walk. And my family didn't really know what to do. And so I was kind of left to my own devices. Hmm. Um, and it was only when I started going to counselling and I realised that, okay, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this. But I can't imagine what it's like to run out of things to do. Yeah. I just can't imagine what that is like. It's, it's terrifying yeah. on one level. Um, it certainly is. And then... But at the same time, it's also unknown territory. It's like I have no context in which to approach this. So you kind of just like you're just left at a loss. Um, and it was after that, that episode that I started to to go to counseling and stuff that I'd kind of begun to learn in the last couple of years or the, the the years leading up to that 
in terms of just trying to deal with my mental health in a, a slightly better way, I think was for that period anyway, too little too late. Okay. Um, that things had already started before that, that there were underlying um, psychological issues that I didn't understand. Yeah. Um, things that were specific to me and things that affect everyone. Um, and But the thing about the breakdown and one of the reasons why I posted about it the way I did, first of all, there was just something about that particular timeline where I went from the breakdown to, you know, in a relatively short space of time, a moment that was, you know, an amazing victory for me after that. And I wanted to <clears throat> to share that with others, um, you know, as, as a sign of hope. Um, but honestly, I don't think I would be the person that I am today if I hadn't had that breakdown. Um, and the thing that it gave to me, which I see now as an absolute gift, is something that we don't get to have as adults, which is an opportunity to start again. Yeah. Um, so like I say, you know, the breakdown for me was like a full stop. Everything stopped. But then it's it, in some ways, it's kind of like the very beginning of this pandemic. Yeah. Where overnight everything stopped. And then suddenly, you know, there were no kind of demands from the outside world. It's like everything was frozen. And like that after, um, after the breakdown, because up until that point, I kept everything going. I was working full time. I had a social life. Everything was happening. And all this stuff was going on in the background. But I was doing everything that I could to, you know, keep up appearances and make sure I got work done and stuff like that right up until that day. And so everything came to a very abrupt halt. But then I was able to go forward at a crawl because that's all I could manage at the time. But sorry. No, no, I think that's what happens, though. You just keep you just keep riding mm. the wave. And yeah. I, I say all the time, if you know, if my family are happy and my husband is happy, um, well, then I'll just keep going. And, you know, we were trying to buy a house last year, so I was working, I was saving and I was mm. trying to write music and you, ju you just can't do everything. And that's just the fact, a fact of life. Yeah. So something has to give, mm. you know, um, I was speaking to my husband about it and, and he kind of he had a hard time with, with his mental health in January, even though things were really great. We just moved into a new house and look mm. how, how, how lucky we were. But he was in this kind of complete flunk because he'd been putting his pr himself under such pressure. So it was kind of a delayed reaction to it. Mm hmm. And something else that I, you know, um, I don't know if you follow Matt Haig, the um, broadcaster and journalist. No. Um, he writes a lot about his mental health mm. and he had a, a breakdown when he was 24. And he was saying that he was he'd moved to Ibiza and he was up in the hills of Ibiza. And every morning he would wake up and he would look at the most amazing vista. Mm. And he was so miserable. And he was mm. like, but what have I got to be miserable about? Like, look at my life. It's brilliant. But it's not as simple as that, you know, no. as you said, it just you, your nervous breakdown made you come to a complete halt and it doesn't have to be something huge. You know, he, he said that for a while he tried to really dig into his his um, psyche and find out was there something he was blocking out because like maybe something happened in my childhood and this is why I feel like this. But actually it just happens and mm -hmm. it's OK that it happens. That's just that's just life. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, 
and and like I say, you know, mental health is something that's affected by so many factors. Um, some that are on some level, you know, quite small and mundane. Um, but when you combine those with, you know, maybe larger issues from your past or whatever, you know, it all adds up. Um, and when it gets to that stage, it doesn't matter what other factors are, are influencing you in a positive way because there's very little room left for them because you're so, you know, consumed with this kind of negative energy and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, so what happened, like after the breakdown, like I say, I was able to move forward at a really slow pace that I hadn't been able to do since, since before I went to school. Yeah. Because once I started school, then suddenly something is demanded of you from that point onwards. And so I was able to start to pick things up and examine everything without it rushing at me. And at the same time, I was blessed to be put in touch with a counsellor who <clears throat> is certainly one of the most amazing people that I've ever met. Um, counselling, I would recommend to everyone, um, you know, as just a part of life, as a checkup thing. But with this counsellor specifically, um, yeah, I just, I got really lucky because she was able to guide me in a way that I needed to be guided. Um, I was at a point where I had done, I felt I had done everything I could to survive and to hold on. And despite my best attempts, my best efforts, I'd failed. So I went into therapy saying, I need something else. I need another perspective. Um, you know, my attempts at figuring this out have failed. And she refused to like spoon feed me. She refused to like hold my hand and explain things to me. She's like, no, this has to be your work. But she was able to guide me in a way that I hadn't been before um and she was able to like pull me up on things that i had assumed were good up to that point and she'd be like oh, maybe take another look at that again yeah. um you know maybe there's a different way of approaching that and what have you and what that allowed me to do at the time was to take everything from you know as far back as i could remember and analyze everything and take nothing for granted. So I looked at my upbringing, my parents, I looked at everything I'd ever been through um, to try and see how it had all affected me and to piece it together into a picture that I had the luxury of being able to stand back and see it nearly as somebody else's story Yeah, in the way that you could like pick apart a character or something like that and see, ah, okay, that makes sense. And then from that point, I decided what things I wanted to keep in my identity and what things I wanted to throw out. Mm. So I was like, okay, these people in my life have affected me in this way and it's led me to do this or think this or believe this or act in this way. I don't want that anymore. So that's gone. Yeah. But to be able to see those things 
like compartmentalized because when you're in those positions of like you know really really poor mental health you you can't see anything clearly anymore yeah. there's no clarity to it everything just becomes this big mass of negativity and to be able to pull it apart like that and then to put myself back together from scratch was an insane experience yeah i really relate to that because <clears throat> i have a lot of um, self-blame that's the thing that I do so if anything goes wrong could be anything it's oh, the first person I blame is me so even with things in music if something goes wrong if we were having a conversation and there was a disagreement there would be no other thought in my mind than it's my fault and as you said when you're in poor mental health you can't you can't get out of that feeling so what's been brilliant with my counsellor is what she's done for me is I separate myself into two different people. So there's negative Siobhan and there's positive Siobhan. And that's the only way I can deal with it because if I if if I just feel like it's all inside of me, there's nowhere for me to put it. But if I can go, okay, right, that's negative Siobhan speaking. Now positive Siobhan is going to speak to negative Siobhan. It just has really helped me overcome so many things. And and I love that, you know, um, like breaking it all apart and putting it back together. That gives you such a, sen- a sense of confidence and accomplishment. Yeah, it, it really is because, I mean, it's a very mechanical way of looking at it, but it is like taking an engine apart and putting it back together. Once you do that, you know its workings intimately. And so if something goes wrong, you know where to go for it. Um, or it gives you the confidence, if needed, to to break it all apart again and, and build it up. but it, And it's nobody's fault, but we're not taught this. Yeah. You know, this isn't something that is given to us when we're young. So by the time we reach adulthood, we're like, <laughs> we're crooked nearly. You know, we've kind of grown in the best way that we could, but without realizing it, there have been all these factors that have affected our growth in one way or another. Yeah. Um, you know, I was bullied as a kid and, and, and that bullying affected me, but the kids who were doing the bullying were already affected by something else. You know, everyone has something that leads to poor mental health as adults. But we're, you know, taught in a lot of cases, if you're not on your knees, then then you're you know you're okay and you can if you can keep going keep going that's the thing um and so we're you know left with with all of these factors that we can't break apart because we don't understand how they went together in the first place and um it was just such a you know as as terrible and as awful as desperate a thing as that um breakdown was to have that opportunity is something that, that I hope I will never take for granted. Yeah, like I I have learned so much through my counsellor about myself. And as I said already, it has given me such a confidence that I wouldn't swap my experiences for anything else because now I'm able to sit down and speak with you or help somebody else or just the art of the conversation um, about your own self. I just, it fascinates me anyway. Mm. And the the breakdown how long a period did that last for you know in 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 the worst flunk you were Mm. in how long did that last for um probably too short because um 
I pulled myself out of it maybe too quickly. Yeah. Um, I could have given myself more time um, to just take my time, really. But there were, like you said, you know, you have a, a um, you take things on yourself too easily. Um, I take responsibility on myself too easily as well. And there were things that were planned to go ahead that I, on one level, I didn't want to let the people involved down. And on another level, I thought, well, this is uh, this is good motivation to try and like heal kind of in time for this, yeah. which is such a stupid thing to think. That was my um, that was my thinking at the time. So to answer your question, the worst of it was probably about six weeks. Okay. So I I mean, you know, everyone's journey is different. Everyone has has uh, different time frames as far as these things are concerned six weeks felt like a very short time for me um with a result that and I remember I went to my counselor one day and I came in and I said I've messed it up I tried to build myself back up and I didn't understand how best to do that and it turned out to be a house of cards and then no sooner am I back up on my feet again then it all comes down yeah. thankfully not as badly as it did the first time but at that point, I said, OK, I need to really take this seriously yeah. um, and do this properly and with intent and not just a case of, oh, today I feel better. Now I'm going to go and do all the things again. Yeah. A similar thing happened to me where I felt OK, say, for six months and then I started to get a dip in my mental health. But I was so ashamed of myself that I'd done all this work for six months and now look where I am. I'm back where I was. Mm. And that for me is where the shame came into it. So I was right. really interested when you said to me, look, I'm not sure I'm a candidate for this podcast if it's called Who Shames It Anyway? And to be honest, it's come up and I'm not saying that everybody has to feel shame. Mm. But for me, that's how I felt. So what what was it that <clears throat> you that makes you not feel ashamed about it? Um, I suppose where I am now... Um, I just see all of this as being so natural and not positive, but just simply a symptom of life. Yeah. And for me, and again, you know, I think if you have these feelings, you know, it's nowhere near as simple as saying, well, you shouldn't be feeling like that. So don't. I think, you know, for whatever reason, I just don't that feeling of shame is not something I carry. And yeah. I'm blessed for that. I don't think I could explain why. Um, but the way that it appears in my head is just, it would be like feeling ashamed by getting tired after a long walk. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's human, it's natural. It is what happens. And poor mental health is a result of living life. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, I I don't I don't feel ashamed for that, I suppose. I think what what happened for me was that, as Matt Haig was saying, so many times people would say to me, oh, but you're like, look, you've got a, a roof over your head, so you shouldn't you shouldn't feel what, what, have, what have you got to complain about? Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, Jesus, what do I have to complain about, really? But I can't I can't handle the or I can't control the 
the chemicals in my brain yeah. that are sending the signals to me to say that I'm not feeling well. Exactly. And it took me such a long time to figure that out. And and really, I'm only coming around to it in the last kind of three years since I kind of started really intense counselling. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you totally. I think if we should all be from four or five going in in schools to have to have a, a session with a counsellor. Yeah, absolutely. Just because talking to your parents or talking to your friends it's the same conversation but somebody who's not involved with your life can say actually why don't you think about it this way mm-hmm. for me um i always thought that if you said to me siobhan you're not nice i would think okay so jeff thinks i'm not nice so that's I'm, i mustn't be nice and my counselor just said to me you know that not everything somebody says is true and i just thought what she's like not everything is a truth mm. or a fact. Yeah. And that really changed things for me. Um, but that's because I, I like I need to have everything written down and then go through it. It's just the way my mind works. Yeah. Um, how do you stay well now? <laughs> With difficulty. Okay. <laughs> I think, um, you know, that that's one of the, the conclusions I've come to is that staying healthy is not easy. Okay. Um, because so much is demanded of us as human beings at all times mm. to try and stay on top of everything all the time is you know something that's kind of down near impossible um one of the things that i did in the aftermath from the the breakdown and through my counseling was and it was just totally um an experiment and it's I suppose it's just, you know, I have a naturally creative mind. I want to create things. I love to play with ideas and what have you. And I, w- I just became obsessed about mental health and about the way that I work as a human being. <clears throat> and I came up with this concept called the tower. And I see it as essentially a hierarchy of needs. And I kind of put myself as a human being in that, in the center of that. And human beings have kind of energy that goes into them and energy that they project outwards. And I feel like most people, most of the time, are running an energy deficit, that they're putting out more energy than they're getting in. And so I developed this model called the tower that uh, I use now to essentially keep on top of my needs. Okay. And it starts off at the very bottom with you know, bare physical essentials like food, water, exercise, sleep, all that kind of stuff. And as I'll say to myself now, you know, if I'm not feeling good, the first question I ask myself is, how are you eating well? Are you hydrated? Are you well uh, exercised and well rested? And then if the answer to any one of those is no, it's like, well, what do you expect? Okay. You know, so that's the first one. And then it kind of goes up from there. You know, are you getting your emotional needs met? Um, and, and so on and so on all the way up there and it's a checklist yeah. essentially um, and I think a lot of the factors that play into our general mental health most of the time are really basic um, and we just don't keep on top of them as well as we should yeah. with the best intentions but life gets in the way mm. and it always does um, and I've found that actually if you do keep on top of those basic things and then on top of that, if there are, you know, kind of certain things, there's things like kind of childhood trauma and, you know, 
past events like that, which I think sit in a slightly different category. They affect people differently. Um, but in terms of the basics, I find that's actually a large chunk of what feeds into my mental health. Yeah. I can, you know, start a week and be in a really dark place. And if I make a concerted effort to attend to those basic needs, I'll see, you know, before my very eyes, my mental health um, transform yeah. over the course of the week. I think that those fundament fundamental needs are forgotten about by so many people. And, you know, if I if I'm eating bad food when I, and I mean bad food, I mean takeaways, say I'm just eating crap food for like two weeks, it'll really affect my mental health. And I used to be like, no, that's it's not a reason, but it re- it is a reason. And and if I don't get out for like a 10 or 15 minute walk every day, then I don't feel well. But again, we're not we're not taught those things. You know, it's, you know, you should be earning money. You should be working full time. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. So for me, and I know COVID has been has been terrible for so many people and people have lost their lives and their livelihoods. But for me, COVID has given me a chance to slow down and has kind of reawakened things that are important to me. And to be honest, making loads of money isn't. As long as I can pay my mortgage and have food on the table then th- that's okay for me and so I just I just think it's really important to talk to you because you you really just you're just so articulate and uh, I don't know I just I just I loved that post that you put out and I, it just really spoke to me and and I loved when you told me that you, you didn't have any shame in what you went through. And I think that's a, a really important thing that we need to be drumming home to people, that it's OK, that if your mental health is suffering, there's things you can do to get better. Because for a long time, I felt like, oh, you know what? I I am a bad person because I feel this way. Mm. Yeah. Um, how has COVID affected you? Because obviously you're a musician, you play keys for Gavin James. How has it affected your mental health not being kind of out on tour that kind of thing I mean COVID has been challenging yeah um you know it's kind of in the way that it used to be where you'd meet someone you'd ask them how they are and then you talk about the weather yeah. it's now a case of you meet someone you know you you are you catching up with someone you ask them how they are and then you talk about COVID and the response is nearly always the same oh how's COVID going ah it's it's kind of grand whatever and you know that that speaks to you know volumes of whatever that person is going through but I, I wanted to try and you know come up with a bit a bit clearer of an answer to that and COVID has been challenging yeah and it's hard to think of uh, a level that COVID hasn't challenged us on whether it's you know mental emotional physically financial you know all the rest of it um, and it has it's challenged me in all of those ways like you said, it's offered me the same opportunity. And I think whether it's this or any struggle that we face, there are always opportunities to be found in them if you choose to look for them. And there have been opportunities within COVID as well. Now, it's interesting. I went for a walk earlier and I saw people out and about. Um, you know, some people were walking along and chatting. They're having coffee and, and things like that. And it's, again, that human thing of normalization. Um, which is great and we need it to survive, you know, goodness knows we do. But I also think that if we do that too fast, sometimes you can, uh, you know, 
bypass some of the opportunities that are there. Um, and I think what COVID did is because everyone had to stop all of a sudden, you know, what happens when you're kind of left with yourself and nowhere to go mm. is that given time, if there's anything kind of lurking there that needs to be dealt with, it will come out. Um, and so I've taken that opportunity to check in with myself, yeah. essentially, see how things are and attend to those things that I wouldn't be able to normally because life is too busy. Um, <clears throat> now, that's the opportunities. I also took the time to try and get into some better habits. Again, you know, attending to those kind of fundamental needs and what have you. Um, in the beginning of lockdown, I actually found myself in a, a really, really good place yeah, because I was able to like have these consistent um, habits going, really healthy habits to like suddenly, you know, it wasn't a case of, oh, I get in late from work some days. And so I just have like, um, you know, a ready meal or a takeaway or whatever. I could plan all these things and <laughs> my body was rejoicing. It hasn't been treated so well in years. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the challenges started to set in. The financial one has been a, a, a big strain. But, you know, it's, it, it tests all of us, you know, and, and it tests um, the people around you and your relationships are strained as a result. Um, it certainly has been challenging. And to try and balance out taking the opportunities that have come my way while trying to solve some of the challenges that we can solve and then trying to just hold the challenges that we can't solve in a way that doesn't overwhelm us but also yeah. doesn't repress things because I think that is going to be one of the fallouts from COVID is that in order to get through these times people are going to repress things in order to survive that will come out later on um which is unfortunate but um you know we do the best that we can we deal with the things that we can deal with we try and get help with the things that we can't um and but yeah it's hard you know and it's hard to see the people around you yeah struggle as well especially when you know there's very little that you can you can do for them um except you know kind of be there and hold them tight even if you can't be there in person yeah um you do what you can i think and you have to forgive yourself the rest yeah what was the biggest um thing for you that got you through your breakdown would you say um <laughs> three women as it oh. happens yes uh my mother yeah who is you know one of the most phenomenal forces of nature that i've ever known and ever will know um my counselor um who is similarly phenomenal and my girlfriend um and they each supported me and allowed me to express myself where i was at the time mm. and just gave me patience I think patience is a very underrated virtue. And I think the people that I value most in the world are those who would just say, just take your time. Yeah. You know, whatever it is, that's cool. I'm going to be here. You, you do your thing, kind of come to me whenever, and that's fine. And those people and my brothers as well, um, in times like that, 
it really is people that get you through. Yeah. You know, um, as I said in, in that message, there was a time, it was the one and only time in my life where I questioned my relationship with music because I, I couldn't feel it. I I couldn't feel anything at that time. And music was one of them. Um, and that was that was pretty scary. But even that, you know, failed me. The only thing that was left were the people around me because they were like, we're going to be here, you yeah. know, whether you like it or not. And actually, again, you know, I mean, there's so much that goes on in, in episodes like that. And some of it you can forget for so long and it comes back sometimes in situations like these. But um, I remember, you know, in sort of the few minutes after I realized that I was experiencing a breakdown, I actually did feel shame. And I remember uh, recoiling on the couch because my mother was coming over to give me a hug and I felt so low and I felt like such an such a wretched thing that mm. I wasn't worthy of that love or that you know comfort or that consolation um I felt like it was wasted on me and in that in that moment I suppose there was a degree of shame there. I'm lucky that that didn't come back. Yeah. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it's corny to say, but it, it was love that got me through. Yeah. You know, at a time when I couldn't carry myself, I was carried by others. And it was that love that allowed me to survive. Mm. I have a similar thing when I'm when I'm upset. I become so overwhelmed by being upset that I can't have anybody like touch I can't have anyone touch my arms or no hugs nothing it's like it's like the emotions are just overriding everything else mm. and, and I feel the same when, I, when I'm having a, a bad time I can't listen to music um, and I don't know is it because this, there's not enough space in my head to let the music in but I just you know we had a miscarriage in in April and I've only really in the last kind of month started being able to listen to music again I, and I don't know why that is. I don't know is it because there's too much going on inside my head or if it's because of the feelings that it that it provokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's one of my big things. I just, it, it's like there's too much noise. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I had a thing uh, with television, uh, television and films uh, after that. And it was, I think... Yeah, again, it was a case of like letting things in very gently mm. one at a time. And the only thing that I could watch was this little series um, called Late Night Tales in Tokyo. And it was about this man who owns this tiny restaurant. Um, and it was about his customers that come in and the stories that they have and his relationship with them. And it was the smallest gentlest little slice of life piece of television that there ever has been but that was the only thing anything else was too was too big was too loud and I was raw at the time Mm -hmm. I was just one big nerve ending and anything was too much Um, I think music was just it would have been so overwhelming that I simply refused to let it in at all yeah that you could play something and it just would not register um 
but yeah, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing with TV. I would be, you know, up in my room and I could hear the TV downstairs and I could hear next, the, just the hum of next door's um, TV. And it would, it would be enough to bring on a panic attack to the point where I'd be like, Dara, you have to turn the TV off. She was like, why? I was like, I don't know, but it's too much. And and it, that you're right, like it is. It's it my all my nerve endings were like firing, and anything else that was added on top of it was just too much. Yeah. But I just started to, um, do things really slowly. Um, one of one of the the things after the miscarriage was I felt okay. I thought I felt I was feeling okay, but I couldn't walk my dog. So it had manifested in that I, I just I was too afraid to to walk the dog in case something bad had happened. So I'm I'm really slowly working on 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 getting that kind of that thing that I would do every single day for the last nine years. I'm only slowly getting back to that now. And that's an important thing is not to, you know, you were saying about patients. I don't have any. I want to be if I you know, when I started going to my counselor, I was like, great. So two sessions and the, I'm already here. Yeah. And like, that's just not the, that is not what's going to happen. And yeah. it's, you know, we're three, I'm still three years down the line. Every single time I go, I learn something new and I put something else. In. I'm always banging on about this toolbox that I have. And I, I imagine it that I'm opening. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take that out to deal with the situation. I'm going to take that out. But I think it's for me anyway, it's worked. And it's, a, it's, it's an important thing, I think, for everybody to have in their arsenal that they, they have something to survive. Yeah, I agree. And I think understanding is one of our greatest assets in that regard, because once you have the understanding of something, it doesn't scare you anymore. Yeah. And that fear is fear is the killer. Mm. You know, it really, really is. And if you can approach something without fear, or at least if you feel that fear that you own it and you can keep on top of it, um, then it's transformative because it allows you to then engage with things that you would either run away from or if you were forced into that engagement that you would you know not deal with in the best mm. way but that understanding and and like you say you know that toolbox you know that's so graphic that's so evocative you know it, it's so practical um those kind of things yeah, for you, it's the toolbox. For me, it's the tower. But it's those uh, coping mechanisms that are, you know, born out of something practical mm. because we all have coping me mechanisms. But like I say, you know, most of us aren't trained in this. And so our coping mechanisms are our best attempts, but they are just that. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of the time, those best attempts aren't backed up by yeah. understanding until you get to a crisis point and then you're forced to learn about them yeah so. yeah and um something i want to ask you here sorry oh yes is there anything i know you, you said you have the tower are there other resources that you go to like for me it's i listen to a lot of podcasts um is there anything else and i do a lot of um positive affirmations that's something that's really um helped me when I'm feeling really crap about myself I'll just stick it on for 20 minutes and it just gives me kind of a lift mm. is there anything like that that you do um I I try to do a bit of everything yeah really um and it can depend 
very much on where I am at the moment if something works for me or not. I'm not the kind of person, it's just a personality thing that like takes something on and that's it, you know, for life. For better and worse, you know, I'd love to say that I do yoga every day and will do for years to come because I see people in their 60s and 70s who do and I think I would love to be like you at your age. Yeah. But I'm, I'm, for whatever reason, I'm too flighty. And so I have, but I'm, one of the things that stands to me is I'm ravenously curious. Mm. Um, I just have interest in everything. So positive affirmations, yeah, you know, give me a bit of that meditation, you know, and some things will work today and that's great and something else might not and that fine, you know, I'll throw that to one side, revisit it next week. Um, But the, so the tower for me, that constant monitoring of this kind of input and output um, is something that that gets me by. And it's just like my my sounding board for my mental health on a daily basis. And I'm able to get to a point now where say, you know, on a Monday, I feel like I need to go for a walk. And for whatever reason, that walk doesn't happen. I know, okay, tomorrow, or maybe the next day, you're going to feel the lack of that your mental health is going to be worse. Um, But that means when I get to that point, and then suddenly I have a missed call that I suddenly feel too anxious to get back to instead of becoming a big thing yeah because I can trace that and I have that like that line it's like this is all because you didn't go for a walk on Monday suddenly it's okay again because there's an understanding there um and some and some days I will do a bit of this and a bit of that but I think again having that sort of being in touch with yourself like that you sort of develop an intuition in terms of what will work for you Um, on certain days and what won't and so some days I'll just sometimes without even really thinking about it I'll think you know what I need to watch uh, I need to watch a comedy this evening or not even that not even with that much intent but just like you know I feel like watching a comedy and then you'll get to the end of it and you'll think wow that really picked me up and sometimes you don't even realize that you needed it but it's there or you know what I'm going to take two hours to make dinner tonight I'm going to make something you know really nice and that just happens to be what does it for me or sometimes it's uh you know meditation or affirmations yeah. or whatever um but keeping keeping in touch with how i'm getting on keeping uh like that sort of inner dialogue yeah going yeah. is is certainly the most important thing and if i feel like i'm even beginning to lose touch i get a bit panicky and i'm like okay i i need to get that back immediately it's my lifeline I think yeah yeah it's it's I know people listening will will be thinking god they're lucky that they can they can do that you know because you know I talk to people and and they they just don't have that that insight and they don't know how to get that insight Um, and that's why I think it's such an important thing to be talking about and to to just to be normalizing these things like go for your walk do your um affirmations whatever works for you um because you know, my counselor is like, look, you should try and start doing uh, 15 minutes every day of meditation. So I, I did it for about four days. And then I was like, oh, I don't, I don't I don't want to do this. But then I started feeling, oh, well, look, now I'm, I'm sabotaging myself now. But it just didn't work for me. And, mm-hmm. and actually, that's OK. Yeah. Something else worked for me instead. Yeah. Um, what are your hopes for the future now? You mean personally or in general or? I mean, in terms of your mental health. You know, I know you said to me that you or sorry, in the post, you said that um, it might happen again. 
Mm. And you were very, you know, I'm terrified that I'll go back into another mental health crisis, but I know that I'll be able to, to survive it and to be able to get through it. So I'm wondering how do you think you're going to be able to cope okay? And um, do you have a plan for kind of future, what happens with the future? Well, it's interesting because uh, when I wrote that post, it wasn't really that long after the breakdown. You know, I was still, there was, I suppose, still that fear of, I felt like I was still getting better and I didn't know if I was fully out of that pit yet. Um, As it turns out, I pretty much was. And since then, I have felt more or less stable. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got this job with Gav that changed my life and um, I moved from my family home in Kilkenny up to Dublin and I was you know independent for the first time and all these things changed now Covid's come along and it's been this insane roller coaster of February 2017 Uh, so you know nearly four years since then Um, and that lifeline that I was talking about, I felt like through all that time, it hasn't broken yet. And I feel like while I have that, I'll be okay. okay. I mean, there's always the thing of like, you know, a meteor might hit Earth any day. There's that thing of like, there's always the possibility that something might come towards me that I've never faced before that might overwhelm me. That's just a possibility of life. Yeah. Again, like I said before, you do what you can, you forgive yourself the rest. There's nothing I could do about that. So, you know, let that be what it is. Um, But in terms of my hopes for the future, I feel lucky enough right now that I'm in a position where I either have what I need or I know how to get it. Yeah. And that can even be like a taking away. That can even be, you know, having more time for myself. Yeah. But I think to just continually strengthen and develop this self-understanding to feel um, you know this kind of flow of energy that I have this sort of input and output thing to get more comfortable with that and to become more finely attuned to it to respond better to what I need and you know which I think is a common thing for all of us just to get better at asking for what you need yeah yeah, exactly. Um, and I think if that happens for me, then there's not too much more I can ask for. Good. Jeff, I hope that gigs come back soon, first of all, <laughs> so that you yes. can head off on a, another nice tour around the world or wherever you were going um, and that you stay well. And thank you so much for talking to me today. Siobhan, thank you so much. Not it's been all. a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. If you don't want to miss an episode, please like and subscribe. If you have any questions or would like to get in contact, find us across social media, whose shame is it anyway, or email us on whose shame is it anyway at gmail.com. <laughs>